So kind of keeping in line with the same theme of, of what Pastor Lord just talked about with our kids, with the kind words, and looking at James chapter 3, we're going to stay in that same mindset, and we're going to be looking at James chapter 3, so if you want, you can feel free to turn there in your Bible at this time. And so the title of, of my message this morning is, What Did You Say? What Did You Say? Right? Because have you ever said words that you wish you could take back? I have. Right? I've said words that I, I thought, as soon as they left my mouth, I wish I could have those words back right now. And I think to myself, what did I just say? Um, how often have you, you, we've just been somewhere or said something out of anger or hurt, and we wish we could take it back, right? We've all been there. Uh, and here, I like this saying, someone said, I've never been hurt by anything I didn't say, right? I've never been hurt by anything, or I've never hurt somebody by what I didn't say to them, but rather but why, what we do say them, right? So in, in James chapter 3, as Pastor Laura alluded to, is talking a lot about the tongue, the matter of our tongue or our speech or the words that we use. And James says that a true believer of God can be discerned in the way that they talk to people, in the way that they talk to one another. The tongue uh, it really it has a lot to do with it. Jesus said in Luke 6.45, for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The tongue is a revealer of the heart, right? So we kind of talked about that last week a little bit, this idea of what are we full of? Because whatever we're full of is going to come out. So if the love of Christ is in our hearts, as a result, that's going to come out in the words and the things that we do. And David actually in the Psalms, in Psalm 64, compared the tongue to an arrow. He said, they sharpen their tongues like swords and aim cruel words like deadly arrows. They sharpen their tongues like a sword, and from them they hurl deadly arrows. Think about that for a moment. The words we say are like arrows that come out of our mouth that, that can bring damage and, and can be deadly towards what, what we say. So, right? With a sword, you can kill someone that's right next to you, right? that's in, in the vicinity of where you are. But with an arrow... You can kill someone from a further distance or do damage from a lot further distance. And I, I, I'd like to say even today that this expands to, in our world today with social media and the internet and everything, you can say words in a second to someone on the other side of the world. So literally our words have the power to bring life and death to anyone on this world because we have access to be able to communicate to people all over the world. So the deadliness of the tongue is that it, it can kill someone that you're talking to in the sense that it can totally break them down. It can discourage them. It can hurt them in many ways. So the tongue, as I said, is like a deadly arrow. Just an interesting fact about men and women, the amount of words that we say in a day. Uh, statistics say um, that men speak about 2,500 words a day or so, and women speak about 30,000 words a day. So by the time that the man comes home from work often, they often have used up all their words. And many times, the women are still trying to use up their words, right? And so I think a lot of us, uh, we can laugh about that. But they do say, this is for an average person, that if you could put all of the words you say in a day, write them down, it would be 54, a 54-page long book. That's how much we talk every day, that you could write a 54-page long book about the things that we say and talk about every day. And they say that the average person spends 
Who wants to guess how much of your life do you spend talking? Any guesses? Throw a percentage out there. 20% of our life, the average person spends talking. One-fifth of our life, we spend talking. Right? Just think about that for a moment. That, that's a large portion of our life we spend talking. And so I remember, right, as a child, whenever you would go to the doctor, what's the first thing that the doctor would do? They'd say, open up your mouth, let me see your tongue, and they stick a thermometer underneath it, right? And they're checking your physical temperature. They're checking to see what, what your temperature is. And I, many t in the same way, James talks about our tongue is kind of where we get our spiritual temperature from. He's saying the words and the way that we live our life gives us a good idea of spiritually where a person is at in their life. It's a spiritual thermometer James is talking about. This is what the Apostle Paul has to say uh, about the fallenness of man in Romans chapter 3. He says, Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, the poison of vipers is on their lips, their mouths are full of cursing and, bless and bitterness. Sorry. And then Isaiah, if you look back uh, in the Old Testament, he said, For I am a man of unclean lips, and live among a people of unclean lips. Right? So just this idea of how uh, many times the things that we say and the words that come out of our mouth are not pleasing to God. They're not, they're not what God desires for us to do. They're not building each other up. So our mouth is kind of a, a monitor of our condition of our heart and what's going on. In James chapter 3, as I said, James calls us to measure our speech to see if it's consistent with our faith. And I want to look this morning at five quick things, five quick reasons that we need to control our tongues, according to James chapter 3. First one, we must control our tongue because its potential to condemn is great. Our potential to condemn people with our words and the things that we do is great, so we have to make sure we are controlling our tongue. James 3.1 not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We'll get back to that in a moment. But we must take good care of ourselves, and we must not put ourselves in positions that we shouldn't be in. Right? Not all of us are called to be a teacher. Some are called to teach, some are not. But we need to be careful, because a teacher basically has to make sure that they have control of their tongue, or they can get in a lot of trouble, right? And you have high chances at times of potentially running into trouble with that. But as a teacher, you must be careful, right? There's, there's different types of teachers. Uh, there's pastors, like a trained pastor is a teacher. There's Bible college teachers. There's part-time teachers. There's those who, who simply like to just have conversations with one another and talk about Scripture and that type of a teacher. And in that sense, each of us as believers should be a teacher in the sense that we're always continually trying to encourage and help each other in our faith. We're always continually trying to challenge each other and sharpen each other in our faith in that sense. But we have to practice what we proclaim. Otherwise, it says in Scripture that we will be condemned if we're not practicing what we're preaching. Hebrews 13, 17 says, have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. In 2 Timothy 2.5, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, 
a worker who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. Right? So in that first passage, it's saying that you are to trust your leaders and have confidence in them because realizing that like myself as a pastor, that I, I have to give an account for everything that I bring before you guys. Every time I come up here and preach, every time that I have conversations with you, as a pastor, as part of my calling, I'm also held accountable for that. That's part of the responsibility that I have as a pastor, that I know that I'm going to be held accountable for all that I do, all that I say, all that I teach, and those kind of things. And as I said, do our best to present ourselves to God as one who's approved, one who doesn't need to be ashamed, and one who handles God's word properly. So being a teacher, yes, it's a wonderful thing, but also understanding part of what comes with being a teacher is there's an accountability that's going to come with God in that sense. James 3, looking at this verse a little bit more, it says, again, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that those who teach will be judged more strictly. And then it says in verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Right? So it's saying here, again, that we all stumble, right? But the word stumble here, if you look back at the Greek, it means sin, right? So it's saying we all sin, which we know none of us are perfect. But it's saying don't hurry to your tongue because inevitably your tongue is going to cause you to stumble. So it's saying be careful, right? Think before you speak, right? How many times that, you know, as a kid growing up and my mom's here this morning, She'd say, did you even think before you said that? Like, did you even take a moment to pause and think about what that was going to sound like when it came out? Or, or what, how that somebody else was going to receive what you said? Right? So just being careful and saying, take time to think before we speak. Because our, our, if, if we just simply allow the tongue to lead, it's typically going to lead us into trouble. It's going to lead us into, into a place that we don't often want to go. Right? So if you look at scripture throughout the whole Bible, it refers to a lot of sins of the mouth, or different titles for the mouth. And I'm not going to list them all off, but it says that it's a wicked tongue, a deceitful tongue, a lying tongue, a perverse tongue, a filthy tongue, a corrupt tongue, a bitter tongue, an angry tongue, a crafty tongue, a flattering tongue, a slanderous tongue, a gossiping tongue, and the list goes on and on. Scripture talks over and over again about the tongue and many of the sins that come out of our tongue. And so that's why we have to make sure that we learn how to control our tongue because otherwise we find ourselves in trouble. I once heard somebody say, no wonder why God put our tongue behind a cage, our teeth. No wonder why God placed something in front of our tongue so that it wouldn't just come out all the time. Here's a joke that I once heard too. This is, once the teeth said to the tongue, if I just press a little, you'll get cut, right? It's easy for us to cut our tongue and our teeth. The tongue replies, if I misuse a single word, all 32 of your teeth are going to come out, right? So it's that idea of our teeth can cut our tongue, right? But if our tongue says one thing to the wrong person, you never know what might happen. You know, that, that, that just shows the power in our tongue, and it can slip up easily. Right? The easiest way to sin is to sin with our tongues. And Matthew 12 talks about that. And we're not going to read through that passage again. But it, it refers again to our tongues being like a brood of vipers. And talks about how we have to be held accountable 
for the words that we say, for all that we've spoken. But do you realize that on the final judgment day, when we go before God, that our eternal destiny is going to be decided by the words that we use in our life? Because that's what's, that's what's in our heart. The words we use is, is a reflection of our heart. Right? It says that the Lord keeps a record of all of our words. So when you give your life to Christ, your life should be transformed. And as a result, you have a new heart. So a new heart means you should have a new vocabulary. Because if out of our heart comes our words, once we give our heart to the Lord, our vocab should change. Right? Maybe we struggle with cursing or whatever it may be. And hopefully, when you give your heart to the Lord and you surrender to Him, that vocab will be changed. It will be different. The second thing we need to be careful of is we need to control our tongue because it has the power to control. Our tongue has the power to control situations. Looking again at James 2, it says, or 3 verse 2, it says, We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. Right? And we know that that's not the case for any of us. Right? None of us are perfect. The only person that's ever been perfect and walked without sinning on this earth is Jesus. But it's referring to this idea that as we spiritually mature in our lives, we should learn how to control our tongue more well. That we learn how to control our tongue as we mature and as we grow in our relationship with the Lord. Do you guys remember what the Jewish leaders spoke about Jesus in John 7, 46? It said, the leaders, the Jewish leaders, the same ones who eventually led to having him crucified, said, no one ever spoke the way that this man does. People realized there was something different about the way that Jesus spoke, about the words that came out of his mouth. The control that he had of his, his tongue. First Peter 2.22 says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Right? It's, there's no mistake there that the end of that verse is there where it says, And no deceit was found in his mouth. They could have ended at, And he committed no sin. But it's again, reassuring or, or reinserting that idea that oftentimes the mouth is where we struggle the most and where sin tends to come from. Therefore, we can say that a mature, godly, holy person, spirit, or spiritual person, should be reflected in their speech. You should be able to see it in the speech and the words that they say. If a person can master his tongue, he can master the evil tendencies throughout his body. And if you look through the Psalms and Proverbs, there's all kinds of verses that refer to this idea of controlling our tongue and, and controlling uh, the words that come out of our mouth. Proverbs 18.21, the tongue has the power of life and death. Psalms 39.1, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. And to help us understand, James gives us two different illustrations right here in this passage. First one comes in verse 3, where it says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey, we can turn the whole animal. Right? And those of you who have had horses or, or are interested in that kind of stuff, right? James uses the idea of how you can control a horse, right? They're a, they're a big animal, a powerful animal, that if we're to just try to stand on the ground without any type of uh, tools or, or any ability to help control, we're not going to be able to control them. 
But if we can put a bit into their mouth, right, and we can control their tongue, we now have the ability to control a horse, to control what that horse does by simply placing that bit inside of their mouth that lays on their tongue, and then you use that to direct and guide the horse. That's pretty crazy, right? You think about that. Simply, a large animal like that, once you can control his tongue, you can control what they do. And that's the same in our lives in a spiritual sense. And another illustration that he gives comes in verse 4, where he says, Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Right? So you got a boat or, or a massive ship, and it's such a small rudder in comparison to the size of that ship that controls and decides where that boat or ship is going to end up going. That's another example to us, and it, it talks about the power of our tongue, about the power of the small things having the ability to control and, and, and decide what happens. Power applied at the right point is sufficient to control uh, the whole being. And power applied at the right part, being in the mouth, is sufficient to controlling the whole person, to helping us in our walk. And that's the second point. James says that if we control our tongues, we must, because otherwise it will control us. Again, some more Proverbs. 16.24 says, Gracious words are a honeycomb. Right? This was the kid's memory verse. Sweet to the soul and hearing to the bones. This is a little different translation of it. Or Proverbs 25.11, A word filthy spoken is like apples of gold, or a word fitly spoken, sorry, is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Or having comforting words, 15.4 says, A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. Right? Being careful with our words, and what we say, learning how to speak kind words, loving words, true words, thoughtful words in our lives. Jesus sums it up, or James sums it up as, as I mentioned to the kids. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Finally, the third thing, we must learn how to control our tongue because it has the danger to destroy. It has the danger to destroy relationships and different things in our lives. Continuing on in verse 5, it says, Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Right? Water cannot multiply. If you have a cup of water and you pour it out, it won't become a flood. But if you have a match, you can light a forest fire, and you can burn down a large, massive area with one tiny little thing. Because fire has a way of multiplying. You can take one little uh, burning cigarette, and you can set thousands of acres of forest Ablaze. And likewise, it's the same with our tongues. Proverbs 16.27 says, A scoundrel plots evil, and on their lips is a scorching fire. Scorching fire. Proverbs 26.20, Without wood, a fire goes out. Without a gossip, a quarrel dies down. Right? So just like a wood, a fire requires wood to burn, there's not a quarrel if somebody's not gossiping with another person. That takes the, the gossip, the quarrel, right out of the picture. So, Psalm 52, 2. You, you practice deceit, your tongue plots destruction. It's like a sharpened razor. So again, you just see over and over again in Scripture talking about 
the potential danger that can come from our tongues if we're not careful with the things that we do. The tongue is a fire and it must be kept under control. So the dangers of the tongue, it's evil. James 3.6 says the tongue also is a fire, a world of evil. Secondly, it defiles the whole body. Continuing on in that verse, it says, The tongue is a fire, a world of evil among the, body, the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire. It's like smoke from a fire, right? You can have a fire and maybe it doesn't burn everything up, but the other part of it is it's still the smoke damage and everything else. Sometimes it's almost just as bad as if it would have burned up in the fire, right? Because it's not usable anymore anyhow and it can't be cleaned and, and fixed many times so we need that's why fire even though it may not ruin everything the smoke and everything else that comes along with the fire can still do a lot of damage to a situation thirdly it says the tongue is set on fire by hell if you keep reading on it says it corrupts the whole person sets the whole course of his life on fire and it is set on fire by hell right satan is the one who, who is working through us in those situations. That, it, that is causing us to say the different things and, and to hurt those who we are hurting in those situations. Fourthly, uh, we need to control our tongue because it's a restless evil full of poison, it says. It's a restless evil full of poison. Verses 7 and 8 says, All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. Going on, it says, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Right? God, God gave us the power to control animals, right? When Adam, part of Adam's job was to come in and to name all the animals, and he, he, he was controlling all the animals, and, and, and everything was working in harmony. Even after the fall, God reiterated to Noah that he would be able to get all the animals into the ark. And today, we still have the ability to tame animals, right? If you go to a circus or, or a zoo, you know, you, you find animals that may be tamed, that were once wild but have now been tamed. You know, you think of going into, at a zoo, like one of those bird cages where you have to walk in the door and there's all these birds flying around. They're tamed birds that, if they were out in the wild, they may try to attack you, but in that setting, uh, they don't. But it says, our tongue is a restless evil full of deadly poison. It's important that we make sure that we remember that. We have to control our tongue because it's untamable, a restless evil. And we must commit our heart to God to tame it. That's the only way that we can control our tongues is if we surrender to God. If we give ourselves to God fully and ask Him to help us in these situations. And finally, the last part, we must control our tongue because it has double standards. Our tongue has double standards. Verses 9 and 10 say, With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Right? So in that culture, in that day with the Jews... Three times a day, they would pray, and they always ended it with this exact saying, Blessed are you, blessed are you. It was customary for the Jew with his tongue to be blessing God all the time, right? Three times a day in their prayers. 
But then that same tongue that was blessing God would then go out and curse others who had been made in God's image. Right? It's a double standard. It's, it's hypocritical when you think about it. And if you continue reading on, it says, Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt, salt spring produce fresh water. Right? You can't have sweet and bitter water coming out of the same fountain. Just like you're not going to find an olive tree, olives on a fig tree, or find figs on a grapevine. No fountain can yield both salt water and fresh water. And so in our lives we have to go, wait, are the things we're saying, are they lining up? Or are we saying one thing to a certain group of people and another to a certain group? Or are we saying one thing to God and then we're going out as the Jews were... And then we're actually cursing those who are made in God's image. Right? That's what's happening. And our tongue tends to do that. It can become hypocritical, hypocritical at times. So this is the conclusion this morning. James is saying that we have a clean heart. God has given us a clean heart. He's given us a fresh start when we come into a relationship with Him. And so out of that, our heart should flow fresh water. Not bitter water. Because a bitter heart... Cannot produce fresh water. So we're back to where we started, right? A true believer is revealed by the words they say, by the speech of their lives. And if you're a true believer, you should be able to be seen by your speech, right? The fruit that comes out of your life should be evident of one who has a relationship with the Lord. If you've been transformed by Christ, I believe your speech will begin to show that. Psalms 39.1 says, I said, I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. 1 Peter 3.10, whoever loves, whoever would love life and see good days must keep their tongue from evil and their lips from deceitful speech. Right? So we are to be very careful with our tongues. So that way we don't have to walk around and say, what did I just say? What, did I even think before that came out of my mouth? Taking those moments to say, God, please give me the words to say. God, help me in this situation. Help me to tame my tongue. God, I give my heart to you. I pray, God, that you'll help me to, to find a new vocabulary. To find a new way to talk and to bring life. To speak kind words to other people. To uplift, to encourage, to exhort each other. So this morning... That, that's, that's our prayer, is that we continue each and every day, just as Pastor Lord challenged the kids to say something nice to a teacher or to a brother or sister, I want to encourage us as adults, I think we need to be encouraged and challenged sometimes to say, when's the last time you just stepped out and said a nice compliment to someone, really for no reason, just out of the blue, just to try to encourage them, just to brighten up their day, just to help them, because our tongue has the power of life and death. And we never know what simple encouragement we could say to someone might make all the difference, right? We don't know what situation they're walking through. We don't know what struggle they're in. We don't know the effect that a simple phrase could make in that moment. We're going to close this morning in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this morning. Father, thank you for each and every person who is here. Father, I pray that as we've looked to your word, God, that you just continue to 
to work on that in our hearts, God, that we'll continue to ponder and, and think about James chapter 3 and, and some of these other verses, Father, from Psalms and Proverbs that just talk about the importance of our tongue, the importance of controlling our tongue and taming it in a way that, that we're being careful of what we say because we can't take words back once we've said them. So, Father, I pray you give us discernment, but I also pray you give us patience. God, I pray that you would help us to continue to look to you as you're the only one who can truly help us to tame our tongues. So, Father, we just give ourselves to you this morning. We just pray that you work for us in mighty and powerful ways. Father, as we go out today, I just pray that you would work through us in awesome ways. God, that we can be a light to those around us. Father, a witness. Work through us, we pray. Speak through us, we pray. And we give you all praise and honor and glory. In your name we pray. Amen.